0: Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and their Multicultural Mess and Secular Scam. Thank you very much for joining me today. I really appreciate your presence. It is the weekend and we are going to have a great long weekend where I am because I took an extra day off. So this is going to be a very short podcast, but I will do it and I will be off for the weekend. But uh, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. It's been a great week, a great uh, summer and the weather was fantastic so let's just get down to completing the educational heritage of india um of ancient india we did the previous uh the vedic age pre vedic age we did the islamic invasion we're going to do the european european time of um european uh era of, of, of India, uh, dating to the 15th century or 16th century onwards, the Europeans started coming to the Indian subcontinent. Uh, and they continued their proxy wars on, their subco- on the subcontinent. Now, they were, they were not like today. They were enemies uh, back then, and they were empires, and each one fought with each other. But if you think that the currents don't form their waves, so wherever in the world they went, they continued their proxy wars. And the Indian subcontinent was very rich, uh and being rich uh, as it was and full of knowledge uh and schools and and a vibrant civilization although it was coming to an end on a descent thanks to the islamic invasion of the indian subcontinent um and prior to that prior invasions with the huns and so on and so forth invasion after invasion it has uh, basically was coming slowly downhill in you know descent for the last uh, Moon at two thousand years slowly um, the problem is uh once the europeans came uh we were just small kingdoms, small tribe wouldn't say tribes small kingdoms the the empire the um the Mughal Empire was on its last legs um, and formed small kingdoms, vessel states, and each one was too small to fight a battle. And so they allied with the Europeans at different different parts. They allied with the Dutch East India Company, the French East India Company, the British East India Company, and the Portuguese. And all of them allied with these different groups and started fighting against each other. So why are we portrayed as only the British, only the British? There were many multiple empires who allied with different groups, and each one was fighting a proxy war. So, while you had an alliance, so the British were allied in some parts with the Indians, depending which Indian kingdoms, you had Tipu Sultan in the south with the French, and while the battle was going on, it was not just the English versus the French, or the English versus the Indians. It was the Indians versus another tribe of Indians, another kingdom of Indians, and and the allies of the French mixed with the allies of the French and, uh, versus the allies of the English. So there were multiple wars. Small kingdoms each trying to to find its uh, f- a foothold after the breakdown of the uh, Mughal um, of the Mughal rule. As always, when an empire comes, it wants to conquer the land. But the main way of conquering the land is the academia and the media. Uh, the academia means disturbing and disrupting the schooling system or the educational system on the on the ground, which on the Mughal times and the Islamic times they broke the temples, destroyed the temples, and converted them into mosques. And that's why you have so many mosques today that are actually temples. And they took over the schooling of these temples, uh, the Pachalas, the Guru uh, these uh, temple schools um, and they converted into madrasas. So you have so many madrasas around the place, but actually, those madrasas were one time Vedic schools, uh, and the temples and the mosques were actually Vedic temples. They imposed their Arabic and their Persian, removed the Vedic sciences, removed Sanskrit, and slowly Sanskrit died. Uh, people started fighting for power uh, after the Gupta era kingdom. Uh, collapse and they form small kingdoms and kingdoms upon kingdoms and allied with whoever came on the ground to help them just like during the the European time where many different kingdoms allied with um allied with the Europeans to to fight for a stranglehold of power. So this power struggle on the ground means whichever group came, imposed their education system, destroyed the native education system of the Indian subcontinent, uh, be it small, be it big, uh, they destroyed all of this, and, and slowly we've come to an end. Okay. Uh, after that, of course, we have the God-forsaken uh, Indian National Congress, which they too absolutely not only destroyed the education what was left. They imposed their Marxist education uh, and their communist education. So after the Europeans went, we thought we had independence. We didn't. We were colonized by Marxism and 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 communism. Uh, Marxism in the north with the Indian National Congress and their and they're sometimes uh, strange bedfellow allies of the states in the south with their communist uh, alliances. And slowly the Vedic age has come to an end and the education, the knowledge of our education societies have come to a complete standstill. We've been stuffed with this uh, Marxist ideology in the Marxist education in order to promote this secular scam. So. um uh, through the fifteenth century um the Europeans started coming. The British and uh the British East India Company, the Portuguese, the French, the Dutch were all in these areas and like I said, the British the Portuguese were pushed to goa Daman, and Do. You had the French in Pondicherry, you had the Dutch East India Company, which was not very long, and mostly the British won these battles, the British East India Company. Um, but like everything else, like everyone else, they realized, they, they knew that they could not uh, keep a hold on power until they converted, or should I say, uh, controlled the minds of the people, which is every every group. Uh, every group, even today, the, uh, the Marxist Indian National Congress wanted power. What did they do? They had to control the education and the media and the academia, and the media on the ground um, And the school system, their university system, put in their Marxist agenda, and that's how they got their votes. And they, for 70 years, in one format or the other, whether it's municipal, whether it was state, whether it was uh, central level, they won elections after elections because they controlled the mind and made people believe that they were the only ones who were taking them to salvation. But they took us into the garbage bin. So similarly, the Europeans knew that they had to control the media and the, ak- sorry, the academia and the media of that time. Today we have uh, TV, we have radio, we have the internet. The media of the time was the orthodoxy. So we say that who are these Mullahs, Tullas, Padris, Pandits, they were the media of the time. They allied with the king, the, the Maharaj, the Nawab, and the, and the duality of these two sides would maintain public order so the king would pass his his knowledge uh, to the people through the orthodoxy so he needed the orthodoxy and the orthodoxy needed um, needed uh, the king um, and in the in the European side it was the Christian evangelism um, so among, so during this time the British East India Company were not really bothered about uh, education. On it didn't begin with education. They came there for trade, and that was it. They didn't involve themselves in any politics, according to the uh, chronicles. They were told by the head office in in London that no interference in politics had to be. Um, Undertaken, But obviously, you cannot trade on the ground if you do not form your allies, if you do not meet people, if you do not have alliances with the kings on the ground, uh, you do not connect with them. You have to be involved in some way or the other, or have your uh preferences should i say which still happens today when you you go to to do business you have to meet with governors you have to meet with state representatives you have to meet with uh, lobbyists uh commercial houses you have to do all of this and this is part of politics uh whether the municipal level whether it's the state level or whether it's at the central level so um so um even then, uh, there were some colleges set up by the British East India company, uh, as they realized that uh, without education, Western education, which, which suited their agenda, um, they would not go anywhere on the Indian subcontinent. So a, uh, an Islamic and a Sanskrit college was set up in Kolkata and Banaras, respectively, in the late 18th century to provide regular supply of qualified Hindu and Muslim rulers for um, the administration. Um, the British really didn't have any great motives of education, except to control the mines, which is typical of um, empires of the time. So. Um, they were Anglicans. Very often people don't understand that we, we think that it's Christian education, but there is differences. that many denominations of Christianity. Uh, the two big ones that came to the Indian subcontinent were Catholicism, to the French, the Portuguese empires, and the British are Anglicans. So they're two warring denominations uh, sects of Christianity, and both of them had disdain for each other. Um, So when the British East India Company came, one of the main persons for um, Anglican or Christian Anglican uh, education was Macaulay. If you don't know who he is, uh, do research him. Uh, Thomas Babington Macaulay, Um, and he said their best form, and he said we must present to do our best to form a class who may be interpreters between us and the millions who we govern a class of people persons indian in blood and color but english in taste in opinions and morals to to that class we may have to refine to leave it to refine the vernacular dialects of the country to enrich these dialects with terms of science borrowed from western norman culture to render them by degrees fit vehicles for conveying knowledge to the great mass of population. So uh, they needed people for the administration, they needed people to translate, they they needed people to do their work and administer in their format, not in any other format. Um, And for that they had to train people, uh, send them to colleges, uh, Western-style, European-style, European-Christian-style. and basically used them as tools to uh, convince the masses, uh, as media for the masses. Um, there were different types of Anglicans and, and Christians, Orientalists, In uh, the British Empire, and uh, the Orientalists argued that the government fund should be used to support colleges for teaching of Arabic and Sanskrit to pay stipends to students at these colleges and to translate works into Arabic and and Sanskrit. The Anglicans, on the other hand, advocated that the government fund should be spent on teaching English with no stipend or translations at all. So you had the Anglicans, uh, Anglicists, on one side wanting to use English, and the other side you had the Orientalists who wanted to um, translate everything into English to Arabic and Sanskrit. Most Orientalists and Anglic- Anglicans had one thing in common that the subcontinent, the Hindus, the Hindustan or the Indian subcontinent, as they call it, was inferior. And they needed to educate these people, especially the elites, in order for them to come onto their side um the Portuguese did the same the French did the same uh, the the reason they they deferred on how to go about it, but their main goal was that they were a superior group of people, which is all um all very, all uh, cultures are the same, they invade, they think that they're better than, and even politics, every group, every political academy uh, group says, oh, we are better than the others, but we don't understand, we're cyclic, we're currents and waves. It's our currents that form our waves, it's not the waves that form the currents, and we're the same all over the place. Um, So, the Orientalists believed a gradual reforming, a reform by teaching in Arabic and Sanskrit so that the British could understand Indian culture and then prove it wrong. This method would lead to the Indians convincing themselves, correcting their countrymen. Um, But you had on the other side, Macaulay, who was a vowed Anglicist, uh, Macaulay's brother in law, uh, who said that. the government of the Indian Territories had both Hindus and Muslims. Mohammedans regarded the British as unsurping foreigners, and they'd taken the country from them and excluded them from the avenues of wealth and distinction. And he argued that the European learning would give an entirely new turn to the native mind, and the natives would cease to strive after independence in the native model, uh, and would not regard the British as enemies and usurpers, but as friends and patrons and powerful, beneficent, persons um which would have been not bad but true because if if we had studied in our own languages then yes we would have been friends with the british but they they used english on us and and today we speak english that's why we're having this podcast in english but also one very important point that people don't understand that we were um multiples and multiples of tribes and kingdoms and villages and 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 small groups. We had no lingua franca to so to control the entire land because the British put everything together. Remember um, the last time, even even a could not put the entire subcontinent together. Even a okay? He left out a small portion in the south, but he could not put things together. And that is important very important to say. Um, the last time I think it, it came together in such a state was the Gupta Empire. But there was a Swaji Empire there. There was Savaji's time. I don't think he got the whole Indian subcontinent. It's very difficult to get the Indian subcontinent because of the multitude of, of groups on the land. Uh, but the British put them together. There's no lingua franca. So the only lingua franca was English. Uh, of course, you could say that within the english uh in the british rights, there were many holes because there were many um individual kingdoms uh principal prince, uh, princely states as they were called but they allied with the british and so uh the british uh, supported them uh, through uh to through, through power through feudal power um and provided them security Um, But going back to the British, uh, Macaulay's brother-in-law's arguments against Sanskrit and Arabic as a means of instructions uh, sound cautelian in strategy. Uh, Arabic literature would keep reminding Muslims that British were infidels and serpers, like uh, Sanskrit texts would inform Hindus that foreign rulers were unclean beasts. He pointed out that already in the army, there was a clear distinction between English officers and native sepoys. And not one of the 500 educated in Arabic in the seminary would be interested in enlisting in the army. Therefore, it was important to employ, educate the sepoys in English. Um, Sorry. Um... For the elite, the English instruction, literature would do the trick. Um, so, if they basically the English thought if they did give the English literature to uh, the new Indian territories, then they would reject the tre- teachings of the Brahmin priest. The natives will not rise against us because we shall stoop to raise them up. Um, those he also noted that those who were educated in English would cling to the British rule because they would have everything to fear from a native government. So they would think the English are superior. They would be loyal to the British Raj uh, and not to the Brahmin priest and the leftovers of the feudal lords on the inside. Well, they were not wrong. There were a lot of people who liked the British rule and they considered uh, they went against Mahatma Gandhi, they went against Nehru, they went against Jinnah. A lot of people, even after independence, a lot of people said the British time was the greatest time. Um, I remember uh, many people saying that when I was growing up, the British were great, the British, it was so, pe- it was so much nicer, people had more class, people, and look at us now, we're a mess, we we were better under the British, and, and, and they cling to the British Empire, including, even after the British left, many, many, many years later, even when I was studying, and I remember these times, and uh, it's very much like in Goa, the Portuguese, uh, the many Goans who who preferred the Portuguese rule to the British to the to the Indian rule. Uh, and many Anglican uh, Anglicans emphasized on the convenience attached to having English-speaking natives, given that a large uh, number of British officers were constantly being deputed in India. It was troublesome for them to understand the various languages and dialects of the natives. Also, it was a costly and time-consuming affair to translate various English books into native languages. In other words, the interests of the people of the land became subservient to convenience. Um, There were many people on the ground, also locals, who rejected Sanskrit and Persian in favour of regional languages. they championed um, european languages and indian languages vernacular um because there were so many indian languages it was english as you know is is easier because they don't have masculine and feminine anymore the old english has masculine and feminine but new but modern english uh, what well, should i say english for the last 200 years doesn't have it um i don't know what the timeline is but um modern English doesn't have it. So it was easier to learn English uh, without the accents um, than the local languages. Uh, Coming to Christianity, now we know that uh, religion or God is always the biggest driver to colonize people's minds. So you give them God in your own uh, theology or mythology and guess what they are now they are now the best, they, they are your best friends. Um, so spreading of Christianity through the orthodoxy was their main goal, and through the orthodoxy they could give orders uh, to control to the orthodoxy who would control the mind of the people, and the orthodoxy, like even today, will dictate who uh, the loyalty stands with. So you can have, when I was growing up, um, every single Christian priests made sure to tell us who to vote for. So, they would come to our houses and tell us to vote for the Congress. And, <coughs> and they, they did not tell us how much money exchanged hands between the Congress and the church, uh, how much votes were exchanged, and how much power they had. But our goal, they told us, our goal was to spread the mission, the Word of God. Translation was spread uh, Christianity and make the Indian subcontinent Christian uh, and one day take over the, the Indian subcontinent, which is exactly what the Islam with Islam wants to do. Their goal is to spread Islam and take over the Indian subcontinent and you know the PFI is doing that even today. They have their toolkit for 2047. Don't forget it, they are working very hard towards it and there are many people trained, trained in order to fight and and, and uh, destroy the Indian subcontinent from the inside, but this is exactly how it was. They through their minds, through the through God and the drive of God, their goal was to control, um, feed the locals with a, a paradise of sorts, uh, relief from the poverty, uh, which is was the cause of these invaders themselves and the destruction of our civilization. Um, and then feed them, keep them poor, and then feed them with God and this fantastic paradise to go to in the end of the earth, and thereby controlling their mind and controlling their vote, which exactly happens today. So um, there were even, uh, Macaulay himself wrote a letter to his father, no Hindu who has received an English education ever remains sincerely attached to his religion, my friend. This is what Macaulay said. He expressed a firm belief that his plans of education were followed up. Uh, there will not be a single idolater among the respectable class in Bengal 30 years hence." Oh my God. Um, so um, there were other people who made a sincere plea for retaining, retaining Bengali as a medium of instruction and gave the example of the Sarampur missionaries whose laborers in civilization had evangelization of the province of Bengal and led them to establishing 40 printing presses in a few decades and selling 30,000 books in just one year. Many Christian missionaries uh, also learned local languages. They translated the Bible into local languages and through that they spread Christianity, which became the driver to convince people to ally with them and rise up and stand besides the empires that they promoted and thereby Slowly, by slowly destroying the Vedic civilization on the inside and their schools they they once once the locals converted or or converted to Christianity, they gave up their attachment to their temples to their roots uh, to their knowledge to the Vedic civilization, which goes on still today among the Adivasi tribes, which of which uh, the Right Honorable President of India is uh, part of um, coastal areas in, in Kerala, Karnataka, uh, Tamil Nadu, and through that they sort of dis- disdain and, and stay away from the local popular, from the Vedic civilization. Um, They also appropriated several aspects of Hinduism into Christianity in order to make it more palatable to the locals to wean them away from their traditional dharma. Uh, The English language struck roots in the land as the English Education Act became to take effect and missionary schools and mushroom across the country made English the first language. My dear friends, this still goes on till today. Um, So very often you take the local traditions, you uh, dock your traditions and your mythology and theology behind these traditions. Keep, let them keep their culture, but give them a, a different theology, and slowly you embed yourself in their head, and before you know it, you become friends with them. They they understand you. They keep their culture, and over a period of time, they forget their local uh, language. They forget their, sorry, their local culture, their local uh, uh, civilization, and they are attached to your, your they become indoctrinated in in uh, with your narrative and you they will not leave you afterwards you cannot they cannot take you from your mind and you can co- colonize their mind by colonizing the economics around them and the power around them uh and that's why when we we got the so-called secular independence which never came uh the british uh sorry the the church who had a lot of money by that time became the real architects. Became one of the main architects of the Indian Constitution. Uh, although in the front it was Dr. Ambedkar, from the back though it was Nehru, and Nehru was very very friendly with the British, and through the British, um, the um, through the British um, through Nehru, they would have been architects of the uh, of the. Indian constitution to the back though, and thereby making sure that they got a place on the Indian soil, where we have so many in Christian schools all over the Indian country. When you see we don't have so many Christians, how do we have so many schools? Because the, the Indian National Congress allowed them to create schools, lease them lands for 100 years, uh, and once they lease a land now the land becomes theirs even if the lease is up the land becomes theirs and then all they have to do is scream oh my god fascism 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 they've got so much of money they are the richest people in in on the indian subcontinent the second after the defense forces um they've got so much of land they've got so many schools what are they doing in these schools besides teaching through the back though they're evangelizing um and this happened during my time as an next question i can tell you this happened 100% and then they'll indoctrinate you to feel to be ashamed of yourself they'll 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 uh, they'll indoctrinate you chastise you to be ashamed of your heritage ashamed of your history ashamed of your culture and they feed you with the shame 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 and disdain for your local culture, and they take away your confidence from you. Take away, com- they make you feel that ashamed of yourself, you're a sinner, and you have to become dependent on them. The only way to become dependent is to cleanse yourself a God. And since they control God, they then control your mind and the economics around you. And they make you ash- uh, and, and you lose confidence in yourself. Once you lose confidence in yourself, you're dependent on them and they control everything. And this is exactly what they did during the European time era on the Indian subcontinent, um, and that's why it still happens today. I think a lot of this proselytization, most of it happened after independence and before, and because the Indian uh, National Congress knew that they needed votes, and the only way they, they got votes is to proselytization of the uh, church and uh, the Islamic uh, establishment in India, quietly using secularism as a backdrop or uh, um, uh, um, uh, um, a screen to camouflage the continuing colonial arrogance and imprint on the Indian subcontinent and to uh, handcuff the Vedic civilization from ever rising ever again. Their goal for the secularism was to control to handcuff and, and control the minds of the local people, of the Hindu people, to give up their Vedic civilization to the detriment of our ancestors and our land and our knowledge and keep them ir- colonized by in their minds through the Abrahamic invaders who invaded the Indian subcontinent. Um, so, many uh, Indians became Anglicists, uh, it's important to uh, argument made by Anglicists in favor of standardizing. English medium education was that Indian natives themselves were eager to learn English, uh, yeah, of course, because English is much easier language than to learn than to learn non-English languages, um, and because there was no unity among the people on the ground, surely they they um, they wanted to, they they learned English, uh, also the um, people were poor on the ground after 1500 years of rule by invaders by individual kingdoms local kingdoms who only were involved in warfare war 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 the the jagirdari system where which from the Dal- delhi sultanate which led left the uh, indian people poor uh, the the zamindari system um all these feudal systems this the the tribal system, the um serfdom which existed, left the people poor. The only the British East India Company, what they did and why they were so successful on the Indian subcontinent, you'll say, Okay, well they were bad, they're good, but why were they successful? Because they they agreed to trade with everyone and anyone, they were willing to trade with anyone, any group. Uh, and that's why they formed these fortresses, which are now the cities of Madras and Mumbai and, and um, Surat. Um, they fo- they traded with anyone. So even if you were in a tribe, you belong to this caste, or should I say these groups of uh, people, these villages who only traded as one village to the other. You cannot get out of the system. They found a vent. They found a vent uh, with the Indi- with the British East India Company to uh- <coughs> sorry about that. Just opening the door. So yes, they They found a vent through the British East India Company to trade, and by trading with them, they gained money, they gained economic independence, and they got out of their cycle of serfdom, which was very important, which was pulverizing the Indian subcontinent. Uh, They got out of the cycle of the Zamindari system, they got out of the the cycles of these Maharajas and and, uh, Nawabs who just plundered them, uh, taxed them, took their lands and slowly by slowly they rose. So, a lot of people who considered themselves uh, middle class today or even elite, at one time during the British time, uh, during the British East India Company 200 years ago, 300 years ago, they were all slaves themselves, serfs. Who were caught in this uh, uh, zamindari jagidari system, the colonized by the by the Islamic invaders and fought with wars after wars, so learning English would give them a way to rise up to the British ranks and, and economically disassociate themselves with the poverty on the ground so. They were ensured themselves jobs. They ensured themselves economics by learning English and trading with uh, the British East India Company. So learning English was 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 a way out of their poverty, so to speak. And that's why a lot of people um, were eager to learn English. Uh, but it was not because they wanted to leave their civilization behind, or or thought that uh, you know the the local languages were. Um, vernacular. It's very important to understand this. Um, schools teaching in English were extremely popular in, and English books were selling far more rapidly than books in Arabic and Sanskrit, which are more difficult to, to understand uh, compared to English. Uh, this is not surprising since a good knowledge of English opened opportunities for government jobs all over the country. Besides the vacuum and science and disconnect in Sanskrit, which on science and mathematics caused caused by the Muslim rule, and many Indians feel backward in comparison for the English." So, uh, the English were way ahead with the Industrial Revolution, with the Renaissance, um, the Europeans also were way ahead. But the Islamic invasion and occupation of India destroyed every educational society, especially the Vedic educational system. Um, And because of that, they did not even have science in any type of schools. Whatever was there was translated. There was no um, teaching of sciences. There was definitely none during the Mughal age. Um, And so they were behind in everything they were behind in any types of academia, uh, which although they had many schools and gurukuls and and still local schools on the Indian subcontinent, they were not teaching at that point anything of any construct. That means they were not teaching any sciences. They became very religious, very theological. They were teaching theology They had not evolved, they had not um, empowered knowledge, they had nothing to empower the people except stories of ancient times which were not really helping them to evolve. They were backward, the civilization had come to an end and there was a vacuum so when the British came with all of this absolutely they were going to they they were going to hung onto it and cling onto it for all their dear life to get out of the poverty of their minds and the occupation by foreign invaders, even if they have to use one invader against the other. One of the proponents of this was Raja Mohan Roy, who is one of the most notable Indian Anglicists who petitioned for the teaching of uh, European Sciences and Arts. Um, he established a new Sanskrit College in Calcutta. Um, and he did not like the Sanskrit language, my dear friend, and that's one of the reasons we are so behind today. He was not a propon- proponent of the Sanskrit language. Um, he says Sanskrit language was teaching things that were 2,000 years old, we have not moved on. Uh, no improvement can be expected uh, by from inducing men to consume a dozen of years of the most valuable period of their lives in, in acquiring bayakaran or Sanskrit grammar, which was wrong. And he was one of the proponents of this English education. Um, he was he was instrumental in establishment of the Hindu College in 1817 for imparting secular and scientific education, uh, which later became known as the Presidency College of Kolkata. Um, and uh, yeah, absolutely. Well. As to say that uh, the Vedic uh, education was not scientific. They had more science in it to even today compared to the Europeans of the 16th and the 17th century. No doubt the Europeans had modernized uh But look, you can see thousands of examples of science and 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 knowledge uh, in the in the Vedic texts and the sutras uh compared to uh, the Europeans of the time. But obviously, it was difficult to decipher. And um, Raja Ram Mohan Roy was in favor of English. um So. When, Engl- when we were embroiled in this debate of what to, to learn, what to teach the, the new children, the English in their own country were behind. They were not giving education to everyone. Uh, a small fraction of children in England went to school, and only books and the only book most literate people knew was the Bible. Why? Because if you educate a, a, a nation, you will give them power, and if you give them power, you will lose power. So keeping the the people dumb, keeping the people uneducated, illiterate, uh, and troops guaranteed them a uh, uh, um, uh, steady flow of slaves and cheap labor, and also guaranteed guarantee them power. So. The English were not educating their own people. They were just teaching them the Bible and telling them to go to God. The more they kept you poor, the more you they kept you dependent on them and all they had to do was teach you God and you were going to heaven and you you, you knew everything and that was all you needed. And That's why they keep people poor. Uh, in the 1960s, Dharampala, Gandhian thinker came across an arch- archival material of extreme significance in London. He discovered documents related to a series of surveys commissioned by the British government in the 19th century to assess the level of indigenous education in India. This set him on the path of pioneering research, uh, which brought up startling data. Okay? Um, he discovered that Thomas Monroe's statement that almost every village in India had a Pachala, a school, there were hundred thousand village schools reported in Bengal and Bihar alone in the eighteen thirties. Reading, writing, arithmetic, epics, and more were taught. Being taught, um, William Adams, one of the uh, surveyors, were were has written that he could not re- recollect studying in village schools in in Scotland. Anything that had more direct bearing upon the daily life than what was taught in humbler schools in in Bengal, from different parts of the of India came reports of dedicated teachers, superior teaching methods of teaching, and high school attendance. But what simply challenged every stereotype was that uh, a large number of schools were Shudras. The Shudras were in majority and the what, brahmins and the vaishyas were in minority and people keep saying oh well the shudras um, the shudras were poor the dalits were poor the shudras were uneducated the shudras there was a caste system that dissim- that's false that's a false narrative spread by the theologians in india by the christians and the muslims in india uh, their establishment and the and the secular the scam um, the the lying uh, Indian National Marxist Congress who has lied to us that the Shudras were kept weak. It was not, it was what came afterwards that kept us weak. It was not the Dalits uh, who kept weak at all. Uh, this all came after the European invasion of the Indian subcontinent. Very, very important to know. Uh, in Tamil-speaking areas, the Shudras ranged from seventy percent in Salem and Tinneveli to eighty-four percent in South Arcot. In Malayalam-speaking Malabar, Brahmin students constituted only twenty percent of the schools, and while the Shudras were fifty fifty-four percent, and Muslims were only twenty-seven percent. The same trend was reported in in Kannada-speaking Bellary and Oriya-speaking uh, Ganjam. Only in the Telugu-speaking districts, some collectors who furnished data spoke about poor Brahmins who were who taught children with no expectation of compensation. Brahmins were supposed to lead a very um, uh, frugal life with with no dependence on material goods, so they depended upon others to give them handouts. Uh, so they were poor um and their goal was to teach but by the time after uh, 1100 years 1100 years of islamic occupation they became poor um and the islamic occupation had destroyed their school system vedic system and the british compounded it and they were poor um so um but the, so that's why the shudras were given more knowledge and they were more prominent in school than the Brahmins. Um, now, only in Telugu-speaking districts, the, the, the Vija caste formed the majority of students. Some collectors who furnished data spoke about poor Brahmins who taught children with no expectation of compensation. Girls were mostly homeschooled. Uh, however, in the Malabad district, as well as Jaipur Zamindari of Vijayapatnam district, the percentage of girls were close to 30 percent, a very high number. It must be remembered that schooling was not the only way of transmitting basic education. Artisans, craftsmen, agriculturals taught their skills to apprentices while a separate system of education. From father to son, it came down. Campbell, the collector of Bellary, applauded the economical teaching methods In Indian schools and the system was more advanced, scholars uh, teaching the less advanced, thereby conforming their own knowledge. Uh, He mentioned that the method well deserved the imitation it received in, in, in England. He was referring to the Madras method of teaching, which was introduced by Reverend Andrew Bell in England. Dr. Bell had been impressed by little children in Madras, writing with their fingers on their sand, which after the fashion of such schools had been strewn before them for that purpose. He saw a system of children learning from peers. After Dr. Bell published his paper on the Madras method, he was in great demand to introduce the Madras method in British schools. In 1821, 300,000 children were reportedly being educated under Dr. Bell's principles and his ideas were adopted in Europe, in West Indies and even Bogota, Colombia. So as the British rule progressed in Indian villages, uh, more and more villages got impoverished. Um, For example, uh, the British, along with the Nawabs on the ground and their allies on the ground, so you can't just blame them because these... Uh, greedy Nawabs and Maharajas wanted power, they cling to these Europeans, and because they cling to these Europeans, they had no, no uh, inhibition in destroying the local school system, the, the local uh, ecosystem on the ground, in order to gain money and power into their hands. So the Nawab of Arcot attacked Tanjavur in 1771 and imposed taxes of up to 59% of gross produce. And which created an overnight poverty uh in the region um the entire administration and the allies on the ground especially the locals who should take more blame for this era than the the foreigners because if the locals are supporting goons well you'll, you you you'll have a system that's broken and this still goes on till today um so the this entire system of the British and uh, the Europeans and uh, local Indian Maharajas and Nawabs were geared towards fleecing the locals on the ground uh, with the designations of district collectors. Uh, the only aim was to collect taxes and destroy the ecosystem on the Indian subcontinent, whether it was educational, whether it's economics, or whether, um, whether it was um, military. Uh, One collector in Bellary was so moved by the plight of the people that he wrote a letter to the authorities that the degeneration of education was attributable to the transfer of capital of the country from the native government to the Europeans, restricting it by law and by employing it even temporarily in India and daily draining it from the land. This means uh, the means of manufacturing classes have been greatly diminished Uh, by introduction of our own European manufacture. Even temples were not spared and forced to part with the most of the donations they received, thereby falling into disrepair and practice uh, with state governments in India are still continuing. That means the colonization of the temples to make sure that they lose the knowledge of the Vedic civilization, that they never rise up and the Vedic civilization is wiped out It is completely, is total even during the Congress rule and even the BJP has not done anything about it. I don't understand that. Their goal was to help us resurrect the Indian civilization. They're not keeping their power, their their, their word. They have to be challenged on this. It is important to get the temples back and the gurukuls and the education system back. The British education policies also sounded the death knell for regional languages. Um, which every subject being taught in English and mother tongues were relegated to second languages uh, and the quality of the literature in regional languages became below power. Illiteracy and low self-confidence became associated with the absence of English proficiency. I mean, so if you didn't speak English, you were considered illiterate and uneducated. And I guarantee you, my friends, this continued even after independence, till today, and I was part of this. I can tell you because my English was not good in the sense like my English accent was not good. Uh Because I'm only a second generation English speaker. Before that, my grandparents never spoke English. Um... They had to learn during their time from their village schools, um, and slowly with time gained knowledge and, and ability in English, but they, they were not English speaking. So I'm only a second generation English speaker, and I think you can realize from my accent that I have a small lisp, because I cannot pronounce the English words very correctly. I have to do a manual construct every time I speak the language, um, and and... And when I was young, people laughed at me. My parents screamed at me, shouted at me, reprimanded me, chastised me for not speaking English correctly. Uh, and I developed a low self-confidence. And I was literate. I went to school. But I developed such a the, the meager uh, self-confidence in myself, lack of ability to rise up. But somehow I found a way. And it was because my English Sp- uh, speech was not good enough. And, and this was not uh, something that started yesterday, it started during the British time. Um, Gandhiji said in 1931 that the British had left India more literate than it was a hundred years ago. Today India has the largest number of illiterate people in the world. Disturbingly, India's self-gaze is still through the alien eyes. Uh, The past heritage lies buried in regional and Sanskrit literature waiting for elimination. And the Indian National Congress and the leftist uh, arrogance uh, make sure that the Vedic civilization will never rise. They will do everything to make sure it's stamped out through their secular scam. Um, But when the British left India, we thought that we'd get something. The answer is no, it never came and it is up to us individually to go and study our literature and rise up individually, not wait for the governments to give it to us because no government is going to give it to us. They have now constructed a narrative where Hindus, Sanskrit are fascists. The H-speech, the H-word, we are the B-words. Um, they have constructed this narrative that we are now hindu Vadi's, hindut vadis, and we are backward. We only want to go backwards. We don't want to go forward. And that is a narrative uh, that's been constructed by the Abrahamic occupation of their mind. This putting people into ghettos ha- is very, very Abrahamic. It is about deconstructing your metaphysical. It's about deconstructing this the flow of energy, the cyclic, the chakras, and breaking you up into groups, into narratives, into ideological ghettos, and these ghettos, the only thing they do is they throw stones at each other. So we throw stones from one side to the other, other side throw stones, and the only thing we're doing is throwing stones without understanding the currents that form our waves, the, the atwa, all that lies in between. And this is unfortunately what Abrahamic mindset, education and colonization of our mind has become. So in order for you to rise up or go above the status quo, resurrect the Vedic civilization, you have to go and get that knowledge, uh, and that, my dear friend, is the history of uh, the English educational heritage um, of of ancient India and the current India. Um, during in after independence, during um, Indira Gandhi's time, when the, she invented uh, the concept of secular and put it into the constitution, uh, she. A committee was established to revise uh, the school textbooks during 69 and 70 and the chairman was told that it was important to weed out all historical refer- references that would go against national integration, tra- uh, translation, go against her woke banks of the relics of the Islamic and uh, Christian empires and let them take over the education of our lands to the detriment of our Vedic civilization, so Indira Gandhi was one of the instruments to put the nail in the coffin of, um, of the Vedic civilization and our ancient heritage uh, because she wanted, uh, she wanted votes and the only way to get votes is to control our mind. That means to make sure that all the negative that affected her vote bank would be removed and through the camouflage of secularism and national integration. She didn't have a problem of calling, uh, of maintaining the caste, the dalit. That was, that was okay. The lies about the shudras, the lies about the ancient education that we didn't have an education system before. We were all, you know, uh, beggars and and and, and um, natives and uncultured people uh, with the dalit. The lies, the lies, the lies, and she camouflaged it with secularism—a scam only to do one thing to make sure we never rise up, and she and her family remain in power. Um, Dr. Bhairappa, um, a doctor who was in charge of, of this uh, movement to secularize India, pointed out in an article that lakhs of pilgrims from all corners of the country visit Kashi and Mathura every year, and they can see from themselves the huge mosques built using walls, pillars and columns that once belonged to demolished temples, which we are fighting even today. They can also see recently built cowsheds like shacks in the corner behind the mosque that serve as their temple. All these pilgrims are distressed to witness such awful structures they describe the plight of their temples to their relatives after they return home. Can this create national integration when your history is being denigrated and the lies are on, on, on right in front of your eyes? Can you hide such history in the school books? But we can find such facts when children go on excursions and see the truth for themselves. So you're lying right off the bat. You can see the truth. You don't think that's going to call uh, that's going to cause anger and uh, and a volcanic eruption at one point of time. So researchers have listed more than thirty thousand such ruined temples in India. Can we hide them all? Was his question. When the chairman of this committee said the truth uh, could hurt the feelings of the minorities and divide society. society the Bairappa said it was wrong to categorize society into majority and minority, which would be divisive in itself, which is right. Having minority and majority is divide and rule. Also, why would the minority think of Ghazni, Muhammad, and Aranzib as their own people and hero? Whether they are minority or majority, if the education does not impart character to face the truth with emotional maturity, such as education, is meaningless and very dangerous. Predictably, he was removed from the committee and thus began the saga of school textbooks perpetuating historical distortions and whitewashing of tyrants such as Aranzib, Tipu Sultan, and Muhammad Ghazni. Uh, well, doesn't say Ghazni over here contrast to which in the Holocaust taught in schools in Germany, the children not only learn about the Holocaust, they visit synagogues and concentration camps where chilling details were preserved and carefully. Um, Children were encouraged to be adults who accept their Nazi history, to know the undesirable results of dictatorship and persecution, and to forge a harmonious future. Uh, In fact, the Germans even have a term I'm not going to pronounce it because it's too long, to mean public debate which in a country of problematic period in recent history, which refers to the traumatic events that raise sensitive questions of collective culpability. Admittingly, it's hard to find a single country where children grow up with good knowledge of their history. Uh, In America, children are taught that the natives mostly died of disease. In Germany, children do not know about the caste system. In China, they do not know the excesses of Mao. The Islamic countries will not tell them about the atrocities, the slavery and the uh, inhumane genocides created by Islamic invaders. they colonize colonized as the true people of God, but they, they control the local minds by telling people that those who were invaded and, and colonized were Kufar. Uh, but... India is the only country in the world whose national motto is Satya Mave Jayate or Truth Alone Triumphs and hopefully one day it will triumph but it will not triumph without your hard work and my hard work. So I ask you all, every single one of you, to do your homework. Research, please, um, and spread the knowledge. Have that discussion with your friends, with your family, with your social media groups, with your schools, your colleges, your people at work. Have that discussion. Research, please research in in every single thing you can do. and uh, buy the books if you need it on Kindle, on Amazon, Flipkart, because there are plenty of books out there about ancient Indian education system, our temples, um, and through the knowledge of gaining through our own hard work, we will connect the dots. We will rise up the status quo, and we will revive the Indian uh, Vedic and the Vedic system of our ancestors, and we will be free from the colonization, the Abrahamic occupation of our minds and that is what's most important offloading the abrahamic occupation of our minds healing from the inside heal 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 reconcile with ourselves build our confidence build our knowledge and resurrect the civilization and break down the barriers the ghettos of ignorance and adharma which has kept us slaves and living in fear of uh, the abrahamic um ignorance and the invaders so um thank you very much for your time i wish you a great weekend i hope you have a great time i am going to be on the holiday i do not know if i will have access to the internet so i might not be here for three days but if i do get a chance i will definitely uh love to do the podcast during this time in the meanwhile i wish you a great weekend and thank you very much for your time stay safe and see you in either tomorrow if i can or in three days if i cannot Uh, Cheers, and uh, stay safe, everyone.